Hello. Welcome. 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 Welcome back to the podcast, the podcast you know and love. It's called Cavern of Secrets. It's me, your host, Lauren Mitchell, still here. They haven't fired me yet. I can't get fired from this podcast. That's the greatest thing. Unless I can. You know what? Let me check my let me check my contract <laughs> before I start making these claims on the air. As always, we have an amazing episode today. And then also, as always, I'm just going to rant a bit off the top. This was spurred by a commercial that I saw recently. But I was thinking recently about selling out. When I was a teenager, I was like really into punk music and like conscious rap. So (laughs) I was the worst. Do you know what I'm saying? Like I was the worst teenager, but I was very like young. It was like really important to me that no one perceived me to be a sellout and then no one perceived any of the things that I liked to be sellout kind of stuff. You know, I always really liked Blink-182 and like Green Day, I liked pop punk. I kept that on the DL because in punk rock, like it's considered, if you ever make any money, it's like you sold out. You know what I mean? You sold out to the man. So to me as a teenager, selling out had everything to do with becoming popular, becoming rich, uh, essentially like giving into capitalism in a very like blank way. You know what I mean? As an adult, I came to the sort of realization that everyone's relationships to capitalism are very different. And like as a white person, my relationship to capitalism is very different than like a non-white person or a queer person or a trans person. Like I have a very easy relationship with capitalism. It's easy for me to say, well, fuck that because I just have the privilege to say fuck that. Do you know what I mean? Like, I could just go get some, like, white dreadlocks and, like, live in the bush and, like, people be like, oh, yeah, she's, like, throwing or whatever. (laughs) Other people don't have that luxury. Don't worry, I'm not going to get white dreads and move to the bush. It's just just an analogy. And so I think that... First of all, it's important to be responsible and respectful and thoughtful when we critique our own and other people's relationships to capitalism, maybe vis-a-vis like the idea of selling out or whatever. Back to this commercial that I saw recently. So your girls in the theater took myself to see Ghostbusters because I'm a great date. (laughs) I'm okay with seeing commercials before a movie as long as they're commercials for other movies. Movie previews are fun, but, like, it really gets me out of the mood to have to watch, like, five credit card commercials before a movie. You know what I'm saying? So one of the commercials was this, like, single young white woman, and she's, like, I'm saying single because she was by herself. Um, She's in a bathroom, and she's talking to herself in the mirror, and she's, like, psyching herself up to ask her boss for a raise. At the end of the commercial, when she's like, it's sort of uh, insinuated that she's walked out of the washroom to do said thing. Text comes over the screen and it's like, secret deodorant, helping you stay dry while you break those glass ceilings. Honestly, honestly, fuck this. Fuck this so hard. Like, this is the dumbest shit ever. I'm extremely sick of having a shitty, watered-down, unnuanced version of feminism sold to me like I'm some sort of fucking idiot. Oh, yeah, like, you have to be dry and smell good to break glass ceilings because if you don't smell good, no one will respect you because the patriarchy? I don't know. Like, the way you are naturally, like sweating and stinky isn't right like you know if you like if you forgot to fucking wear deodorant you couldn't ask your boss for a raise that's not feminism it's just dumb as hell so it's like it's this watered down shitty version that's being sold to the masses and it's like interesting to me because man when i was like in my early 20s when i was in university it like was not cool to call yourself a feminist it was like the f word you know what i mean and now it's like 
I'm like really happy that it's we're having this moment where like we're talking about feminism. Young people, teenagers like are really into it, are willing to call themselves feminists because that was not some shit that was happening when I was a teenager. Feels like feminism sold out, but that's not even what it is. It's that capitalism found out the feminism was trending and it sold it out for us. <laughs> and so I think that my perception of selling out is now just that like, eventually we all sell out because we don't have a choice. <laughs> Capitalism's coming for us all, man. <laughs> it doesn't matter who you are. It doesn't matter what your shit is. The minute something's like trending, the minute it's like buzzy or whatever, like it's underground till it's not underground anymore and then it's watered down for the masses. I would never not want any of you to get money and to put a roof over your heads and to support the people you love, but it's like, man, now I gotta wear deodorant when I talk to my boss? Fuck that shit. <laughs> Our guest today is, wait for it, also a friend of mine. This is two friend episodes in a row, which is like pretty good for you guys and pretty good for me because I just get to brag about how cool my friends are. So <laughs> this friend of mine is a woman named Cindy Lee. Her and I met in college <laughs> six years ago. We've been friends ever since. Cindy is amazing. She is a fucking powerhouse. She is a DJ, a producer. She's a promoter. She is part of a collective called It's Not You, It's Me. She had a radio show on TRP, which is the Toronto Radio Project, which is currently down for the count a little, but I think they're going to come back when they get some more funding. She had a show on there called Work in Progress, where, sorry, Progress, I'm not an American, where she plays only women techno artists. People said it couldn't be done, but our girl Cindy, <laughs> she's doing it. I think this is a really interesting conversation, even if you don't know a lot about, like, electronic music, the history of electronic music, the scene. Cindy and I have a great conversation about everything, the politics on the dance floor, the politics around promoting, around booking, and what it means to have a safe space. I really hope you enjoy this episode. Check Cindy out because she's doing big things here in the city of Toronto. Hey, girl. <laughs> Hi, Lauren. Uh, welcome, Cindy. Your name is Cindy. I'm saying that so people know. Love to provide exposition on this podcast. And hi, Lauren. So people know that we're listening to Lauren's podcast. Wow. You're so good at this as well. <laughs> it's really magical. Well, yeah, it's nice to see you. I haven't seen you in a long time. Yeah. Uh, we're so busy with our various side hustles. Yeah. That, busy. Yeah. Glamorous lives. <laughs> Not so glamorous, baby. <laughs> um, it is funny, though, because, like, I feel like when we first met, we saw each other all the time because we went to publishing college together. Oh, yeah. And Big now up Centennial College. What up, Centennial College? <laughs> some sponsorship money. <laughs> Look how good your alumni are doing. We're on a podcast together. Yeah, seriously. Do you remember that I won entrepreneurship award yeah hell yeah <laughs> how could i forget i was like at the graduation cheering i was like cindy cindy that's my girl <laughs> and look at me now yeah unemployed <laughs> well you like actually did the dream you did what everyone wants to do which is like quit your nine to five and make your side hustle your like thing that you do yeah uh it's been a hilarious past three months yeah. of extreme highs, extreme lows, but uh, very educational experience. I'm glad I made like a go for it, mm -hmm. but I'm gonna tell you this that I am looking yeah. for a nine to five. <laughs> yeah, I can't hack it. It's really hard, and my biggest fear is that I'm gonna start taking gigs that aren't really what I'm about mm -hmm. in order to make a living. To provide some context, Cindy is a DJ, a promoter, an all-around hustler, an artist in her own right. Would you say that the, all of that is true? Uh, I don't know. I feel weird calling myself an artist, but I guess I guess I am. 
Yeah. I mean, I that always made me uncomfortable when I first started doing stand up and I would say, oh, well, my sisters are artists and like I just am like not very creative and people would be like, but you do stand up. Like that's art. Mm-hmm. And I was like, oh, like I guess. <laughs> <laughs> but like it's different. I don't know. I would call you an artist. For what I do, I feel better calling myself a researcher, an activist yeah. in many ways, an archivist. Uh, a producer, mm-hmm. but because I don't make my music my own music, mm-hmm. I feel hesitant to call myself an artist. You know that's fair. Um, but I guess when I throw a party, that is my vision, mm-hmm. and I stick to my guns. Um, so yeah, I'm like I don't know. Other people call me creative, and I I'm like nah. But I guess it's still nice to hear when people say that. I think you have to be creative to produce and to curate and to have a vision and to see that vision to its, like, fruition. I think even if you don't want to call yourself an artist, I think that there is inherent creativity in that. I mean, like, my creativity, like, wouldn't allow me to, like, put together, like, a 45-minute, like, techno mix of all women, like (laughs) – techno artists you know what I mean so like I think that like I think calling yourself a researcher and an archivist is like a super interesting way to talk about like being a DJ or being someone who like curates music in that way totally um that's cool as hell yeah I like to think that I have a good sense of distaste (laughs) (laughs) like um one of my friends who's a DJ that's actually his Twitter uh-huh. Like byline, uh-huh. not byline, but the thing, you know, that you put under your handle. Yeah. And I was like, that's a great line. And he's like, it's actually from Coco Chanel. <laughs> On my walk here to our beautiful Cavern of Secrets, <laughs> um... I saw a fucking Calvin Klein ad. That's this girl, and she's, like, already a super thin model because there's no Calvin Klein ads with fatties in them. And she's, like, in a pool. It's a shot of her in a pool from the side so you can see her up top and then her in the water. And then it says it's the I whatever in my Calvins. And it says I feel half full in my Calvins. And I was like, honestly, fuck this shit. This is why I hate fashion. What does that even mean? I feel I don't know. half full. <laughs> But the she like looked she was clearly like thinner in the water because you look a little thinner and it's like a visual trick or whatever. Yeah, yeah. And I was like, fuck this shit. Like, I just hate. That's the other thing is just like as a person who is like fat-ish. Do you know what I mean? I'm on like the lower end of that the spectrum of that sort of side of things. But like that, I find that alienating. And you know, I love fashion. Like, I love clothes. Mm-hmm. I love shopping. Mm-hmm. All of that shit. Yeah. And it's like. Fuck you. Fuck you, Calvin Klein. Like, you don't want to dress my beautiful fat ass, then, like, (laughs) you can... Yeah, I mean, like, that's a big problem with fashion. And it seems really fucked up that just because you're a certain size, then it's like you can't even enjoy it. Even though everybody in the fashion world, especially the high-end fashion world, likes to think of themselves as artists. Mm -hmm. And art shouldn't be something that discriminates based on size. Yeah. Right? It's just bizarre to me. You know, as a DJ, I'm often thinking about how to become a better DJ, how mm-hmm. to become more knowledgeable about mm-hmm. and become better at my craft. And a lot of times when, for example, promoters or DJs get called out for like not including females in their bookings or in their DJ mixes or never playing any female artists and what have you. Their first response is, well, I don't really want to limit myself to gender, mm-hmm. blah, 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 which is kind of dumb. And it because implies that you think women can't make good music. Yeah. But really what it says to me is that they don't know anything about music and that they're not as dedicated to their craft mm-hmm. as I am. Because being a good DJ is about yeah. like knowing more than other people. Yeah. That is a huge, like music snobbery. That's part of DJ culture. Yeah. So you're going to sit there and tell me that like you're totally okay with only knowing a lot about male artists. Yeah. That tells me that you're not really in the true spirit of DJing. Yeah. And it's the same thing with like making clothes, right? People pride themselves on like, I make really beautiful clothes, but you only make it for one particular population, right? Yes, yeah. Group of the general population. If you really want to be 
an amazing designer. Isn't it such an amazing feeling to be able to say that I make beautiful clothes that look good not only on this part of the world, but like this group of people, mm-hmm. but also this group of people. That's pushing yourself as an artist. Back in the day when I was like younger and I wanted to go out till later than like midnight, um, <laughs> I used to like I like electronic music. I like very specific genres of, yeah, of electronic totally. music, yeah. and so I used to go to like shows like that and stuff. I also found those kind of spaces like weird and alienating at a point because it's like it's alcohol fueled, it's like drug fueled. There's like the sexual nature of it is like heightened in a weird way, which always felt very odd to me mm-hmm. comparatively to like other shows I went yeah. to. Yeah. So I guess like I kind of wanted to talk to you kind of, I do want to talk to you about the work you've been doing around like inclusive spaces and like, which I think is an important thing to talk about the consensual nature of like how to treat other people's bodies when you are in those kinds of spaces uh, and all of that stuff. Cause you have been doing stuff with like disc women women and the like course you taught for like teaching women the intercessions yeah Yeah. sure I mean I guess I'll start from the beginning I mean back when you were going to dance Mm -hmm. parties and stuff I wasn't really going to them Mm -hmm. I was DJing soul music and playing hip-hop at like any bar that would have me and I too found the scene very uh alienating I didn't know a lot of people my entry into it was my former roommate who was in the art world Mm -hmm. and knew some people that like she knew the guy that owns Bambi's for example when I first started going out I like I didn't know anybody and it was really scary and in fact I struggled for quite a while to find my place Mm -hmm. in this Toronto world of party throwing people yeah um but eventually I found people that I've been doing this for a long time people who are in it for the reasons that I am in it as Mm -hmm. well people who really care about the music and really aren't there just for like scene points or whatever you know meeting Brian Wong who goes by Gingy he's been sort of a mentor to me in many ways and a really really good friend and having his support uh, as well as Nancy, who used to run mm-hmm. Mansion, and now we throw parties together as work in progress. And she also has a delicious restaurant in Kensington Market. Yes, <laughs> called Otto's Berlin Donair. Check it out. <laughs> but like the or donor, not donor. Um, but the two of them, I guess, took me under their wing. We became friends. You know, they saw, I guess, a fire in me. And then the third person I would say is Mikey, who owns Bambi's, mm-hmm. who gave me a shot to play there on a Sunday night last February, I believe, was when I first started playing mm-hmm. at Bambi's. So I would say that was a turning point for me. You know, anytime when you're getting into a new passion, all you need is that little bit of encouragement yep. to, like, make you feel like, okay, this is the right move for me. Mm-hmm. I made the right decision going into this. You know, up until that point, I'd been playing soul music to a room full of 20 people. And yeah. every single one of them were my friends that I guilt tripped to come, you know? Like, and <laughs> yes. it was... It I was, was there yeah. multiple times. Yeah, it was really <laughs> such a struggle, right? But um, definitely I was intimidated. I'm easily intimidated, actually, even though I carry this demeanor, like I'm mm-hmm. really, like, tough I know, and stuff. I know you're sensitive. Yeah, I'm very sensitive. And, like, I don't, like feeling like I'm stupid or incompetent, you know? Mm -hmm. And so how do I deal with feeling intimidated? The way I handle it is I just try and learn as much as I can. Mm -hmm. And so in the beginning, when I first started going to these dance parties, I didn't know who any of those people on the lineups were. Mm -hmm. I just wanted to go and experience it. And I felt this fire to get back into DJing, which I hadn't done, like, DJing dance music anyways, Mm -hmm. since I was, like, 19. Yeah. And so I started going... You know, Mikey was really encouraging, and then we got a Friday night, mm-hmm. and that gave me the opportunity to sort of do an all-female lineup. So I asked one of the girls that I DJed with on that Sunday night slot, and I asked my friend Serena Patchen, who goes by Peach, and the three of us started playing, and those parties were so, so lit. Like, Bambi's is very small, mm-hmm. but there would be, like, a lineup down the street, which yeah. is, like... Very rare for a locals only kind Mm -hmm. of night. And that gave me the encouragement for like, you know, I'd been thinking for a while that I wanted to do more female like oriented bookings, female sort of positive spaces, parties and such. And that was around the time when I started doing my radio show on Mm -hmm. TRP. 
the, those three people that I mentioned were a huge part of it. But once I got into it, it was really about making my own space. Mm-hmm. I felt like, okay, I can do this. Mm-hmm. You know, having those parties do really, really well definitely helped. Yeah. Right? Um, after that, you know, I like I spent a lot of time when I first started like doing those parties and going to other people's parties, feeling insecure and like, you know, these people don't know who I am. I'm just like this nobody doing things. But you just kind of have to keep pushing. If this is what you love, it doesn't matter if you're playing to a room with five people, 50 people, 500 people, you know, you just go for it. I spent three or four years playing to nobody. So after that, I don't even know. I was just playing and DJing and DJing, and all my friends were also DJing, but also throwing events. And I threw my first party with an out-of-town booking Mm -hmm. last summer in June, um, and it was a huge success. Mm -hmm. I don't know how that happened, to be honest. I feel like after I started DJing at Bambi's, things just started to happen really, really quickly. Yeah. And I don't know why that happened. <laughs> um, part of it is I'm very active on the internet. Yes. And I'm very good at promoting myself. Yeah. I think a lot of DJs complain about not getting bookings because they're not good at promoting themselves. And I'm just like, suck it up, baby. Yeah. That's a part of any job, any yeah. career. You have to be able to sell yourself. If you don't know how to sell yourself, you're never going to get hired. No. At a yeah, exactly. Company, right? It's the same idea. How do you articulate what your vision is and how do you sell it to the world to make the people want to come to your events? Yeah. Right? And so it's been, you know, definitely a very enriching year. I've learned so much in such a short amount of time. Uh, starting my radio show, like around the time that I started doing those like parties mm-hmm. with all female lineups was a big boost in my confidence. Yeah. Because before I started, I struggled for months thinking, okay, I need to start a show on TRP, but what should I do? I don't know what, it, I don't want to just do another dance music mm-hmm. show because there's so many of them, right? Mm-hmm. And then I remembered that when I was in university, I did a radio show for four years where I only played music made by women. Yeah. Feminism is a part of my DNA. It's yeah. something that I grew up with from a very, very young age. And so, like, even when feminism was, like, uncool to mm-hmm. admit to other people, mm-hmm. I was always really, really proud to be about girls. And mm-hmm. so I was like, do I dare? Mm-hmm. Do I dare to do an all-female techno show for, like, forever? <laughs> what if I run out of music? What happens then? You know, I was really, really scared. And you tend to internalize a lot of shit that you read out in the media, yep. which is that there's not a lot of female artists out there. Part of it is just I feel like they don't get a lot of coverage. Yep. They don't get booked. I spent a lot of time just going on SoundCloud or Bandcamp, digging through like no names that nobody yeah. knows and trying to find stuff that's unsigned, you know, giving airtime to female artists that make good music but don't have credibility or, like, backing from, like, you know, influential underground labels and Mm -hmm. stuff. So when I started doing the show, I got really great feedback, and I was like, wow, I'm I'm doing this. Mm -hmm. And, like, I'm doing it, and it's good. And that gave me a huge confidence boost, and it made me a better DJ. Yeah, well, you are also, like, uh, one of the most type A people I've ever met. Um, <laughs> That's and so... true. Can't lie about that. <laughs> so, like, it wasn't really surprising to me. Like, you were one of those people who, like, when you DJed, like, Soul Nights, you were like, well, this is my night where I do only, like, Northern Soul. You know what I mean? Like, you had, like, very specific, like, I know a lot about music. And I was like, yeah. I don't know what the fuck you're talking about. <laughs> But it wasn't surprising to me that you were like, oh, I'm going to take this thing that, like, other people say is, like, impossible or whatever. And I'm going to find these fucking people because I am a type A researcher. Yeah. You know what I mean? Yeah. I know you got super good feedback about the TRP show, uh, RIP to TRP. If anyone here is a millionaire and wants to fund TRP, the – what does TRP stand for? The radio? Toronto Radio Project. Toronto Radio Project. Yeah. Um, They need money. So, I don't know, send us an email and we'll put you in touch with Cindy if you want to, like, give them a million dollars or whatever. Support local music. Yes. <laughs> Thank you for supporting local comedy. That's how I like to end <laughs> every show that I host in Toronto. Um, 
when you told other people in the community that you were like, oh, I'm going to do this, like, I'm going to do a radio show and I'm only going to play women techno artists, were people like, yeah, right. Mm, No, this is not a good idea. I think we're at a time where feminism is cool. Yeah. It's not uncool anymore. Yeah. And people want to be seen, like, I don't mean to say this in such a a cynical way. Mm -hmm. I think people who maybe five years ago weren't on that feminist Mm -hmm. tip now are coming around to it and they want to seem like they're an ally mm-hmm. and they want to seem like progressive. Yeah. So like the day that I announced that I was doing the show, I had like so many dudes hit me up with like <laughs> artists that they think I should play. And I was just like, <laughs> yeah, totally. So funny. To me? So funny. <laughs> so funny. <laughs> like um, I just thought, I mean, like uh, a lot of times with, when guys do that, I get like really annoyed, but then at the same time, it's also like the dudes that are doing that aren't the dudes that necessarily know the most amount of music. Yeah. It's the dudes that actually don't know a lot and they feel like they have to prove something Mm -hmm. and they also want to seem like, yeah, I'm like down with the cause, right? And then they'll send me stuff. So it comes from like a non-malicious place and I don't hate them for it at all, but like it's just kind of unselfish. Yeah, you're right? like, like you realize like yeah. you realize how this is coming across, right? Yeah. Like, you realize like that also I've been thinking about this yeah. for a long time and I wouldn't do this if I didn't have like, yeah. you know, at least 50 artists that I yeah. knew I wanted to play. Thank you, sir, but I don't need your yeah. help actually. <laughs> but, you know, at the same time, I do have, you know, DJ friends who are guys who send me, you know, artists mm-hmm. from time to time and I appreciate that. Yeah. Um those people that are sending it to me, they're like, they always sort of like, oh, you've probably heard of this artist before or you probably know this already. But mm-hmm. like, let me send it to you, which I like most of the times I don't. Yeah. <laughs> and so, But I appreciate them saying that to yeah. me because it feels like they're at least aware of how their actions might come yeah. across. And they're aware that like you are smart and well-researched and actually like know a lot of shit and yeah. you know what the fuck you're talking about. Yeah. So sometimes I feel like it's just a personality thing. Yeah. Not necessarily like they're misogynists yeah. or whatever. It's just like not everybody is at the same level of secure with themselves. Yep. And I don't mean that in like a really dismissive way or whatever. Like, yeah. um, it's just the nature of how humans behave. Yeah. Right. I prefer to have mostly like a network of women, mm-hmm. but you know, it's also really great when like male selectors want to send me stuff as well. Yeah. I don't fault it whatsoever. So yeah. If you guys want to send me stuff, <laughs> work in progress is not dead. It will continue. <laughs> <laughs> Here's the thing. I'm going to show you something. So if you're going to pick up like weird sounds, then how I do my show, a big part, people are like, how do you like come up with all these artists? And it's like, well, I spent a lot of time on the Internet. I spent a lot of time on Facebook finding artists. Facebook is actually a great way of finding artists. Yeah, I believe that. Uh, SoundCloud, Bandcamp, uh, blogs, DJ mixes, oh everywhere. That Whatever I this is, it look. Okay, Cindy has brought out a notebook she has unfolded some pages with what looks like insane annotations on them (laughs) (laughs) i can only imagine what the fuck this is because you're so fucking organized in type a yeah so i started this list when i first started the show so the first 23 um, items on this Mm -hmm. list were typed out after that i just started adding it um you know whenever i keep my eyes and ears open Mm -hmm. for music not um anytime i hear about an artist if i'm not at home and i can't write it down i put it down on my phone Mm -hmm. and i remember it later and so this is just an annotated list of like female DJs and artists. Oh my God. And every time I find someone, every time someone tells me about someone, I write it down. As you can see, things that have been checked off, those are ones that I've already played on my show because I try to play a wide variety. Um, There's still tons that I have not played. Yeah, you got shows, you had radio shows to make. Yeah, and like I had all these plans for work in progress. I was going to do like, you know, women of South America, women of like Tokyo, women of like, I don't know, continental Africa. I don't even know. Like, yeah. just like, whatever. Um, I thought I was going to do work in progress forever. So yeah. I had a good conversation with a friend over the weekend and, you know, he was just like, why don't you just keep doing it? You know, what's stopping you? What's stopping you from continuing to make these, like, 
mixes and having female guest DJs from, mm-hmm. like, I don't know, wherever. Yeah. What's stopping you? So I think I'm going to continue. It feels like something more than just, like, meaningless consumption of music. Damn. I love you. I knew you'd have something like that. <laughs> I was like, what do you got your bag? I was like, what the fuck are you doing? Then I was like, oh, yeah, you clearly have some something insane. Like, you should see it's so dumb because, like, I'm literally the opposite of you. I'm such a fucking – in ways I'm very type A and then in other ways I'm just like uh, dits or whatever because I'm just like <laughs> – I the worst is that I always come up with ideas for stuff. I actually came up with an idea for something to do with cavern and then like a joke while I was falling asleep the other night and I had to force myself because it's like when I'm you like, got to. I was like, get up, make a note in your phone. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Write this shit down because like you're gonna forget. So mm-hmm. many times I've been like thought of a joke while I was falling asleep and being like, you'll totally remember this tomorrow <laughs> morning. And I woke up and was like, what was it? It was so good. Yes. Um, I relate to that so much. Yeah. I almost always get up. Yeah. And well, I usually keep my phone right by yeah. my head. Like, yeah. So that I wouldn't have to get up. But like, um, yeah, that's happened to me before where I've thought of something and then I didn't write it down. And then the next day I'm like, oh, yeah, you were supposed to fuck. Yeah. And like, <laughs> just don't remember yeah. at all. Like, I'm really anal retentive, mm-hmm. like, and OCD. Mm-hmm. So that's how I, like, maintain some semblance of order yeah. in my life. Um, and I just have a really bad memory. Mm-hmm. So, like, writing things down, um, keeping a list, it feels like also, like, something tangible mm-hmm. that I've spent time working on, mm-hmm. you know? I would be devastated if I lost my notebook. Yeah. Everyone's like yo, why do you write this down? Why don't you put it on your computer and, like, back it up? And I'm just like, you know, I, that's a really good idea. <laughs> <laughs> okay, so I want to talk about, like, the cool parties you've thrown this year. I was at the Disc Woman one that was at... Round. Yeah, that weird bar in Kensington, yeah, yeah. which was... Awesome. Like, and again, like, I hadn't been to, like, a show like that in such a long time. It was cool as hell to be at a show like that where all the DJs were women. Like, before that, I don't think I'd ever seen, like, a woman DJ, like, techno or house or, like, any of that. Yeah. Um, There was never a time where I, like, thought some dude was going to grab me or, like, that was cool for me. I know for sure that you get, like, because I we're friends on all forms of social media. So I know that you get pushback from people being, like... There's no, like, sexual assault or, like, sexual harassment problems that happen in, like, clubs or in those spaces or whatever. And it's – I find that very frustrating because it's, like, your fucking individual experience does not negate the individual experience of another person who was, like, sexually harassed or sexually assaulted or any of that shit. Mm -hmm. And you are not – the dance floor is not a space where you're entitled to other people's bodies. Mm -hmm. I assume that that was always a thing for you. Like, you went into it being, like, oh, this is something I have to – work on fixing and then like how that's progressed I guess um yeah I mean going into it I knew that who you book would reflect in who comes to your events Mm -hmm. like psychologically people if they see themselves reflected they're more likely to support you so I wanted to make a space for women that were just like me and you know I know tons of badass chicks that want to do stuff that are either, you know, video artists or promoters or, you know, agents and what have you. So doing that party, it was such a thrill. I remember that night, like we could have put that in a 500 capacity space and it would have still sold out. I couldn't believe I like I was like. I can't believe I have to buy tickets to this, like, on the internet. <laughs> like, you know what I mean? Like, yeah. I was like, Cindy. <laughs> yeah, no, that was, like, Why? one of the first times I ever threw a party that was, like, ticketed yeah. with, like, advanced ticketing. And it was crazy. The response was insane. There was, like, 800 people RSVP'd on Facebook. Yeah. Even though, like, we could only really let 300 people in yeah. um, throughout the night. Yeah. So there were definitely some disappointed people. Yeah. But, like... Um, the vibe was great. Everybody told me after that 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 was like one of the best energy type of places that they could go in. That it was so rammed and yet they didn't feel harassed. Yeah. Because like dance clubs are sort of especially conducive to sexual harassment mm-hmm. because of tight spaces. 
I remember when I first started going to events and it'd just be so tight and I'd be like, oh my God, I feel really claustrophobic. Mm -hmm. That like sometimes people will like accidentally touch you and, you know, as a woman, you go to enough events, you live your life as a woman enough times that like you can tell the difference yeah. between accidental touching. You an accidental boob touch from a purposeful boob touch yeah. for jerseys. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> totally. And like, you know, if they bump into you enough times, it's like they're purposely trying to dance up on you. Mm-hmm. A lot of it is very subtle, but sometimes it's not so subtle. There are places that I, like in the city, that throw techno events and what have you, where like I've had my butt cupped, mm-hmm. but like walking through the crowd... Or, like, dudes, like, leering at you so hard. Like, one time I went to a a party alone, which is, like, the first time I'd ever done that. Mm -hmm. I knew I was going to meet friends there, so I was, like, not that worried. But when I first got there, I couldn't find my friends. So I was just sort of, like, dancing by myself. And, like, five guys tried to dance with me when I was just dancing alone. It's, like, a girl can't even go out dancing by herself. Mm -hmm. And this was, like, a party put on by friends with like a good audience and stuff like that that's not like that's like less douchey than others and even for something like that like I couldn't just enjoy myself and lose myself in the music without people coming up to me and trying to dance with me do any of these people even ask no they just come up to you why wouldn't you just like what like if you just want to dance someone and someone's like dancing by themselves like I would think that you would be like hey is this cool? Can I like dance with you? We want to dance together. It's like it's not just a like. Yeah, but it's I'm like moving a... towards you, gyrating. <laughs> like that is that is not what consent looks like, my friends. Yeah, but it's like a weird, like toxic combo of entitlement and also fear of rejection, mm-hmm. right? Like they want to have your body, but they're also too chicken shit to ask mm-hmm. because they know they'll shoot you down. Yeah, and that combined together turns into that (laughs) and like you know so I just remember that night when finally one of my friends saw me and he just like stood by me (laughs) and for the rest of the night and this is the unfortunate state of like our heteronormative society that like guys would only back off if he like swooped in and started dancing with me like I was with him or whatever yeah um that is the reality that like dudes only back off if they feel like you're taken or yeah. belong to another male. Yeah. And because I bet if it was a woman, it would be totally different. You know what oh, I mean? God, that's even a whole different. Yeah. Totally different story. But yeah. like um, that experience was still like very educational because I realized that, you know, having a friend on the dance floor to look out for you, that's like your sort of. Your, your support system. Your swim buddy. Yeah, your buddy for the, your rave buddy, yeah. you know? And like, <laughs> that is... We'll let you take that weird E. <laughs> we'll let you be sucking on a soother by yourself. <laughs> Don't drink floor. from that weird drink yeah. over there, you know? Like, that type of thing. Um, people are going to do drugs. People are going to drink. You can't mm-hmm. stop them, right? Yeah. And how do we let them do that and still enjoy the music and have a good time? And so like... That was sort of the thought process behind. Um, so I r- throw parties with It's Not You, It's Me. Mm-hmm. It's a pretty big organization of promoters slash it's like a creative hub, I guess. Mm-hmm. We do a lot of events. We've done uh, two and now we're going to have our last um, one all day event at the power plant from yeah. 2 p.m. till 3 a.m. It's like art, music, you know, all day. There's like food trucks and like. It's really, really fun. But how do we go into that without an unsound situation mm-hmm. where, like, you know, you just get to a certain size and all of a sudden all the douchey bros come in, yeah. you know? And so we put together this, like, anti-harassment policy. And to go with it on the night of, we have volunteers who are just, like, party goers, who yeah. are people from the scene who are, like, friends. And they wear, like, little colored bands on mm-hmm. their wrists. We call it, like, a rave-safe program. Mm-hmm. And they're just meant to be, like, that friend who can, like, swoop in and, like, if some guy is dancing up on you, they can literally just walk between you and the guy mm-hmm. and, like, cut them off. It's, like, a non-aggressive way of sort of, like, what's the word I'm looking for? Of uh, de-escalating yeah. a weird situation. Although we try to tell our volunteers not to get involved generally because mm-hmm. we don't want to see them get punched out, yeah. you know, or like get a drink thrown on them yeah. or what have you. But um, 
Uh, it's a really good system because people don't really trust security guards for yeah, very for good reasons. Great reasons, yeah. Uh, you know, security guards, in my opinion, a lot of times, you know, there are good security guards. We work with some great ones, but for the most part, they're sort of there to protect the pockets of the organizers. Yes. So having the volunteers there are sort of like a good, like, non-narc uh, sort of presence on mm-hmm. the dance floor that people can feel like they can go up to and be like, yo, this is happening. You yeah. should, like, deal with this. And everybody has been trained to sort of deal with people, how to handle, you know, conflicts. And, like, I'm really happy with it. I don't know. I get the idea there's a sentiment that trying to create a safe space and, like, having that kind of stuff is, like, the antithesis to, like, being in the moment and, like, doing whatever. You know what I mean? Like, people really romanticize the, like... Freedom. Yeah, in the same way that people romanticize... Bergain or like, yeah. how you, am I saying but, that right? I'm not very cool. Uh, <laughs> Bergheim. Bergheim. They would never <laughs> let me in. <laughs> Although you have a higher chance than a cis white male of yeah, getting in. True. Because more of them try. To yeah. Get in. Yeah. That's pr- fair, probably. Yeah. 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 Um, but you know, the interesting thing about Bergheim is that I recently went to Bergheim mm-hmm. and I was there for 18 hours. Mm-hmm. And 18 hours? Yeah. You were in a club for 18 hours? Well, no, I took like a disco nap in between. Okay. But like cumulatively, I was there for 18 hours for a weekend from Saturday and Sunday. That's crazy. So like um, you're supposed to, like I know people that have stayed there the entire time and didn't leave because it opens on Saturday at midnight, goes until Monday at noon. It's, Jesus. Yeah, it's uh, and it happens every weekend. So... Um, I had been looking forward to going there like my whole life pretty much. Um, but and I was so afraid I was going to get turned away, but I got let in. Sydney and- is like very cool and super stylish for all the listeners at home. I just <laughs> no. want to be clear. Like <laughs> Sydney's long with one of your long with one of like the most stylish, like best dressed people I know. But anyways, continue. Thank you. Um, but the thing that I loved about Bergheim more than anything was that there was a five hour chunk of time when I was in Bergheim alone. Because mm-hmm. the people that I came with, they got rejected, unfortunately. Oh. So I went in. What a burn. <laughs> <laughs> you know, when you do that, your friends will tell you ahead of time. A good mm-hmm. friend will say, just go ahead. Yeah. It's all good. Yeah. You go in, you know. So I appreciated that. I went in. I danced my butt off. Mm-hmm. I wasn't even on drugs. Yeah. Um, this is not even a lie that I'm telling for the podcast. Yeah. I wasn't even on drugs. I was drinking Club Mate and like beers. And I danced alone for five hours and nobody bothered me. I didn't get harassed. That was the one time I'd ever been to a nightclub where no one harassed me at all. And like Bergheim is, you know, it's started out just to give a little bit of background. Mm -hmm. It's a gay club and it's well known for its very stringent door policy. Mm -hmm. But as much as people hate the door policy, the door policy works. I mean, part of it is I know that it only been once. Maybe that was just like I was lucky that particular experience. Mm-hmm. But like I was shocked at how liberated I felt in there alone. Mm-hmm. Um, I walked in sort of like for the first couple of hours. I was a little bit protective. But after a while, I noticed that like, well, first of all, people dance topless in there. Mm-hmm. Like girls are completely free. Yeah. Nobody gropes them nobody grabs them i saw so many boobs and like they were just free it was very hot in there so (laughs) like and people you know people also have sex in the corner Mm because it's a sex club there's like lots of like dark corners that Mm -hmm. people can go in and there's privacy you know there is that hedonism associated with techno and raves but i i understand that criticism about safe because the word safe carries with it sort of like a coddling type mm-hmm. of feeling and we didn't want our parties to connote that or imply that mm-hmm. kind of to our audience because we want it to be a party that everyone can enjoy mm-hmm. but when we use the word safe space I don't mean safe as in like safe from harm yeah I mean safe to enjoy the music yeah and safe from interruption mm-hmm. safe from distraction dance music because it's repetitive 
you can get yourself into a trance mm-hmm. in a way, even without drugs, which is mm-hmm. what I love about dance music. When I go to a really good party, I can just dance and forget about everything, close my eyes and just enjoy myself. And that is when you let go of all the bullshit, the mundane, like day to day life. There is something really beautiful and liberating about being in a rave. And when you do have a safe space, a safe space, that means you can lose yourself in the music. Yeah. And we want to give people that experience because it's so beautiful. And that's what drives me to throw events every single day. I want to give them that, right? And like, it's not fair that only some people can do that and yeah. other people can't. That's yep. not fair. Just because you have a dick, yeah. you can just do whatever you want and like lose yourself when it's convenient for you. And then other times you're like rubbing your dick against someone. Mm-hmm. When I was at Unsound this year, as like I mentioned on social media before, I love Unsound. Unsound is incredible. Mm-hmm. But this year, because it grew much bigger in attendance compared to last year, it was a bit of a clusterfuck. I saw way more people in there who were from outside of the underground music scene who were just there to get fucked up, who were like, oh, techno rave. But really, they came from EDM or whatever. Yeah. And they were just there to, you know, get drunk, uh, to get laid and what have you. Mm-hmm. I saw some guy wearing like a really offensive shirt there. It said, I hate you fucking bitch in giant letters. First of all, I would never let anyone wearing that in to any of my parties and the fact that you would is really fucked up you know their dance music underground dance music it started out as a space for freaks outcasts for queer people for black and brown people like color folks to sort of free themselves Mm -hmm. and to sort of let go of all the bullshit of being out there and living with all these people that judge you based on your life choices. And to have these people invade and come in is a huge slap in the face Mm -hmm. to like dance music's foundation and its history. Right. And so when I saw that, I mean, growth with growth, that is an inevitability. Yeah. Right. Yeah. But having a door policy, I think is not wrong. Because it keeps people like that out who may not have the purest intentions, yeah. right? And that night when we were at Unsound, like, all of my friends got groped yeah, and got leered at and, like, rubbed up against. And it was so uncomfortable. And I didn't lose myself at all. Mm-hmm. In fact, I was pissed the entire time. Yeah, And I feel like more organizers need to be held accountable and they need to hold themselves accountable instead of being like, well, it's out of my hands now and I don't have control over my business. Yeah. Or like it's the nature of the beast or whatever. It's like, oh, okay. Like that's no, no. And like, you should feel bad when something like that happens at your events, not annoyed or burdened Yeah, because dude, that happens at my events. Mm -hmm. I'm not afraid to admit that because obviously I can't control bad people. Yeah. I can't stop people from doing what they want to do. And I know my friends have told me that they've been grabbed at Mm -hmm. my events, my events where I only book female DJs. Yeah. That still happens. Yeah. You know, all you can do when you hear that is take the criticism and do something about it. Yeah. Try and do better. Try and do better. It's not an attack. No one thinks that you're like, evil yeah because no one was like like, sydney invited all these men who are gonna like sydney specifically invited like these people who feel entitled you know what i mean like it wasn't purposeful but it's like yeah that happens and like now i'm gonna do the work to correct it yeah it's like not that hard no and so back to bergheim uh i was there for five hours and it was amazing nobody like bothered me the only time people even interacted with me was to like smile or like cheers and like it was just really good vibes you know and that is what i mean by safe yeah you can fuck in the corner but like it's just gotta be consensual fucking yeah i mean totally i have heard that there have been assaults that have happened at Burkine. Mm-hmm. I am going to put that out there, but it's just stuff that I've heard. Yeah. I haven't really seen any like articles about yeah. it or whatever, but everything about Burkine exists kind of hush hush. You yeah. know? You're not allowed to take photos in there. It's very much like an underground world. Mm-hmm. But even in something that exists in the underground, there are rules, yeah. right? People compare dance music a lot with religion, Mm -hmm. you know, that like spiritual experience, like people talk about house music, like going to church, Mm -hmm. right? Going to Bergheim, Bergheim is like church, you know, going to a really great rave and sort of like leaving all of your bullshit at the door, 
going in and enjoying yourself. Well, I'm telling dudes to leave their bullshit at the door. Mm -hmm. And like, if you want to go and meet a girl, that's great. Do whatever you need to do. But don't do it without people's consent. Mm -hmm. At the last event, we actually had a woman that was going around grabbing other women. And like, she was, I, I confronted her in the bathroom because she grabbed my friend. And this was after one of the volunteers of our Rape Safe program told me that she had grabbed someone else. She was clearly very, very, very inebriated. Mm-hmm. She was having a conversation with everyone in the bathroom stall while she was in the bathroom stall, <laughs> but nobody was responding to her. <laughs> and so when, like, I knew that she was really fucked up. Yeah. And then she grabbed my friend and, like, very hard and just started, like, like very animatedly, like, talking to her. And I was just like, hey, you can't touch someone without their consent i don't care what gender you are and what gender they are Mm -hmm. this is another person and you need to respect their space if you do it again i will kick you out Mm -hmm. and so i told her that she did her thing i didn't feel good about kicking her out Mm -hmm. and so what we do a lot with our program is harm reduction Mm -hmm. and so if you see somebody that's really fucked up i think there are some places that are like zero tolerance you're out. Yeah. If she's really fucked up and I kick her out and she's alone. Yeah. Like if something happened to her. Yeah. That's even worse. Right. Yeah. Like, so it's just about like having some empathy for mm-hmm. people that like pay you. Why is that hard? Why is that such a disconnect between business owner and consumer? The future is bright for you, Cindy Lee. <laughs> bright and penniless. <laughs> <laughs> um. There's still time for Eric to become rich, isn't there? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um, well, yo, I really appreciate you coming through on this fine, it's Wednesday, right? Wednesday yeah. afternoon. And it was really nice to talk to you and to see you. I had a great time. <laughs> I had a great time. Because we're here for a great time and not a long time. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. And I love to rant and rave. So, yeah. Um, At the same time. Yeah. (laughs) So thank you so much. No problem, girl. Thank you once again so much to Cindy Lee for coming through. Really enjoyed hanging out, having that chat. Uh, Cavern of Secrets is brought to you, as per usual, by Hazlitt. It's hosted by me, Lauren Mitchell. Our theme song was made by Bianca Giulione. Our show... Was, is, always will be produced by Anshuman Idamsetti. You can find us on iTunes, Google Play, Stitcher, SoundCloud, and our website is cavernofsecrets.com. You can and should follow us on Twitter. Keep up with all the shit that we're doing. It's at Cavern of Secrets. And if you like what we're doing, you should totally give us a rating on iTunes because that shit helps us. Hell, if you're still with me, if you're still listening, God bless you. I'd love if you would visit nowmagazine.com because they've got a Reader's Choice poll going on. And if you could throw us a vote for Best Podcast in Toronto, that will be super chill and I would really appreciate it and give you a big hug if we ever met. Uh, consensually, of course. If you don't want to hug, I'll just shake your hand. Once again, my name is Lauren Mitchell and as always, I really, really, really appreciate you listening to this thing that we do. So I'll see you next time.